if you're going to write something that's very normal, and I don't mean that disparagingly, and just something that readers are familiar with, the importance of creating the world in which those characters inhabit is not as critical because it's easier for the reader to suspend disbelief. Stevens, the New York Times best-selling and award-winning author of the kick-ass Vanessa Michael Monroe thrillers, and this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. And this is going to be a particularly exciting show because when I tell you, the listening audience, what the topic is, I will also be telling Taylor. Yeah, Taylor's really kind of like sitting on the edge of her seat right now. Yes. Uh, today we're going to talk about developing a series before you begin writing the first book. Okay. And so I, that'll be interesting because I know you're doing some work right now that will, will tie into this. I'm doing some work right now that'll tie into this. And everybody that's out there writing has heard over and over and over again that if you want to be successful, you have to have a series. So that's what we're going to talk about. Is that about. really 100% true, though? I mean, look at, there are some really, really successful authors that have never written the same characters in more than one, in two books. It's always, every single one of them is a new book. Yes. And no, nothing is 100% true. Okay. But it is a truism that, that we hear this over and over and over again in the author community, that in order to be successful, you have to write a series. Okay. And it's probably, based on what I see in, in talking to people in the author business, it is a lot easier to be successful if you're writing a series than to write a bunch of standalone novels. But there are people that just have such immense talents and, and big enough marketing departs, departments behind them that they're able to pull it off. Okay, Taylor, it's May 30th when this show goes live. That means school is almost over in most parts of the country. We've been doing this show long enough now that your kids are probably graduating from college. <laughs> How old do you think I am? <laughs> not true? No, not there yet. But Soon. they're getting closer. Getting closer, yes. Not, not there yet. So what does uh, summer mean at this age? Oh, my God, I don't even know anymore. Like, they're teenagers. They just want to be on the computer and play games. And I guess, suppose in one sense that's good because it's quiet. But in the other, it makes me antsy because I want to get up and go kick them out and go do something. Stop wasting your life. Not wasting my life, Mom. This is going to help me in some, I don't know, made-up BS thing that they think will impress me that's totally not true. Um, so I don't know. Summer is just very, it's, it's constant interruptions and listening to squabbles. And then it, it, the house is never really quiet. And so it's just harder to get work done. And then I want to get them out and get them doing things. So I have harder time getting work done too. I will say that one of your offspring did the cover that you did for the, the Patreon version of that ebook that you published. That and wasn't my offspring. That was me. That was you? That was Get me. Get out yes. of town. What? Really? I, I was really embarrassed about it. Maybe I should have kept my mouth no, shut. No, I, I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was pretty good. 
Yeah, I just had to throw some. You, you told me there has to be an ebook cover on there, and I just threw it together as fast as I could to get something in there and get it going. Well, here all, all this time, I thought that your your kids had had been acquiring this education over time, so they're not just sitting on the computer playing games. They're developing these skills that'll be useful in the world after education. One of them is actually very, very artistically talented with digital art and so forth, but I wasn't able to um, hijack those skills under the circumstances, and I didn't want to have to pay for it because, you know, I don't get it free. So, yeah, my kids make me pay for it. <laughs> so the, you, did this, you did this cover, and it was a two-part thing. It, it was the intro chapters for the next Monroe book that has no certain publication date yet because you're working on other projects, and it was some other material, the what's been going on over the last couple of years. Yeah, it was the backstory to why that book hasn't been published yet, and it's a, it's a, like a novel in itself. It is, and that would be a standalone novel, and Monroe, is this, that would be Monroe 6? Uh, yeah. The beginning would, of Monroe 6? So yeah. that's a series. You're deep into that series and you have been and you've talked about other things that you're writing some of which may become series so that's what we're going to talk about today turning what you've been working on into a series so are you okay. ready uh yes still nervous but let's go and do it okay you've finished this book that we don't know anything about or we know very little about we've we've sort of talked around it in circles. I've read it, and I, I've absolutely loved it. And we know that people will eventually get to read it. It's just a question of how. Or when. Or when, yes. How and when. Do you anticipate this being a standalone novel or part of a series, the beginning of a series? The beginning of a series. Okay, and when you started it, did you envision it as the beginning of a series? Yes, so the challenge was to create characters that were interesting enough and capable enough, different enough from what I've already done and also different from what's already out there so that they could show up in more than one book and readers who enjoyed them the first time and not everybody will, believe me. Um, <laughs> would want to to go for round two or three or however long we can get it going okay so in in the monroe series there is monroe and there are supporting characters yes same situation with the new series i know the answer is no but i'm throwing you the question well i would say kind of i mean it's just different and and i'll I'll just put this out there because it's so hard talking in, in vagueness in that there is not a single protagonist. It is a dual protagonist. They're twins. That creates difficulty on some level because you can't always it, – it, it's very handcuffy. It's limiting that you can't always have them both leading a story because it it creates um it divides the story and it's hard to do that so i may have once again set myself up for <laughs> trouble and <laughs> we'll see how it goes all right you mentioned 
if you're going to develop a series, the characters need to be interesting. They need to be different, presumably meaning unique, and different from everything else that's out there. So let's kind of walk through those a little bit. First, interesting. I mean, we all kind of have our own. I mean, interesting is sort of in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? It is very much in the eye of the beholder. And since I'm the one that has to live with these guys in my head day after day, they have to be interesting to me. And since I didn't grow up the same way most American-born individuals grow up, and I've experienced a lot of things that maybe most people don't have the opportunity to experience, good and bad, it takes a little bit to make a person interesting, right? So that carries over into the characters that I create. We've talked in the past about third culture kids and and that you always try and have at least one third culture kid or person in each of your books. Are any of the characters of this book, would you describe them as third culture people? In the most extreme way that it could be possible, yes. Meaning? It third culture kids are still grounded in some culture, right? They mm-hmm. still have the culture of their parents. They have the culture of their passport country the and then the, the country that they're living in. And in this case, we have characters that didn't even get that kind of grounding. All right, let, let's take a step back and define third culture kids. So cult, third culture kids are like military brats, missionary kids, kids who's diplomat families, kids who um, parents were English teachers. So they their passport country, they carry passport, like, let's say, to the United States, but they've never actually lived in the United States. Or they've lived in the United States just for a month here or a month there. So they're Americans on paper, but they're not really part of the American culture because they don't live here. They don't, they don't get it in the same intermingle with the American culture. And let's say that their parents are stationed in Germany. So these kids are around German, the German environment every day, and they might even speak German fluently, but they're not German either. So they don't really belong no matter where they are. They're not really part of it. So you end up with this sense of estrangement and being different And you always are the odd man out. You don't have your high school buddies that you can go back with and reminisce about your high school years. You don't have um, an attachment to the pop culture. There's so many things that people take for granted in the cultures that they live in that a third culture kid just isn't a part of. So they just don't, they're different. They're always different. Okay, so by default, I mean, you've got interesting and different wrapped up sort of in in the whole idea of third culture characters. Um, I guess you have different wrapped up in the third culture aspect and interesting because they have a skills and background that is just so different. So, so no, that didn't happen. And of course, didn't happen. I made it up. But it's fascinating at the same time, you know? Mm -hmm. And how do you then compare what you're coming up with as an idea to the landscape of thriller fiction? Or as we said last week, or as – was it John Gardner or – 
was John Gardner. John Gardner, who, you know, the junk mind <laughs> that, that creates thriller fiction. How do you compare it to that landscape and say this is different from that as well? Well, it's it seems to me, for and I, granted, everybody here knows I am not the most well-read person in the world. And it seems to me that almost every thriller that you read these days either has former special forces, former CIA, former FBI, former cop, or current special forces, current CIA. <laughs> you know, it's, it's the same universe. Everybody's drawn from the same background. And, and we've talked about it before on other shows about how, you know, if a character has special skills, they have to have gotten those skills from somewhere. And they don't just wake up one day and all of a sudden you're this, like, um, you know, high school kid who can beat everybody up. It's like, if you can do that, why? And where did it come from? And crafting those kinds of backgrounds, most people go to the traditional, this is, this is where that would have come from. And me, being maybe <laughs> stupid, I don't know, goes, what is the most not normal way that someone could have come up with those type of types of skills <laughs> and and it'd be a fascinating story and that can bite you in the butt too because even though people are saying oh we want different what they really mean is we want just a little bit different but close enough that it's comfortable and familiar so while some people will totally dig it other people are like ah that's just too out there because there's no FBI or you know special forces or whatever and I even had somebody say, oh, no, if, if it doesn't have special forces or CIA or FBI, I just wouldn't even know how to sell a book like that. So, you know, <laughs> pick your poison. Um, OK, so you've got those three things. How hard is it to and how deep do you have to go when creating that level of different? Well, it has to be real to the reader. So the more off the beaten path you go, the greater the importance of making sure the world that you're writing is real to the reader. It doesn't have to be real, real. It has to be so vividly drawn that once you go into it, you just go along for the ride, even though your thinking brain is going, there's just no way. There's just no way. But you go along with it because... The story is told in such a way that you go, well, of course, right? So if you're going to write something that's very um, normal, and I don't mean that disparagingly, and just something that readers are familiar with, the importance of creating the world in which those characters inhabit is not as critical because it's easier for the reader to suspend disbelief. You know, I was thinking as we were talking about Today's cliched characters, I guess, and it's almost as though, despite the fact that we know there are hundreds of thousands of former regular military people walking around, all the only ones we hear about in fiction are former special forces or people that have these extraordinary skills, and it, it, really, it really does make it easy to come up with a, a superhero-type character – and the characters that you've come up with for this series have these incredibly unique skills, but they came by them in such a way that you have to tell the story 
much differently than you would if they were a couple of twins and one was special forces and, and one was a Navy SEAL. Yes, very much so. <laughs> very, very differently. It was it was a challenge. It was a challenge. And it, it sets the challenge for me going forward, too. Um, you know, we're talking about building series out. And when when the informationist was, I don't, I don't know, I guess on book two or three, I started getting a lot of series type questions from from readers asking me if I had thought out everything ahead of time. And you know, if I had done that, I probably would have written some things inside the information is differently because there are characters that don't end up in second story or third that I probably could have done well in utilizing and they're just not there. I, you'd think I would have learned from that and made sure that when I wrote this next opening that I would leave some wiggle room for myself for when the next book comes that I can bring these interesting characters in. No, 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 no. I did the same thing. I was just, I just focus on the book that I'm writing at the time. And then it comes time to write the second one. And I'm like, well, let's look at these pieces that I have left to work with. <laughs> and then we go on and over. And this time, at least I've, there are a few things that I thought through, like, you know, maybe unanswered questions that could stay unresolved for a book or two not like you want to dangle it out torturously so but you know maybe you don't have to answer everything in the first book even if the story is complete in and of its own you know I don't want to get into a situation I wouldn't advise anybody getting into a situation where they're writing a quote-unquote trilogy where each book doesn't stand alone because Unless somebody has followed you from the first book, if they go and pick up that middle book and it doesn't make sense to them in the same way, they're not going to pick up the third one. So I suppose in thinking out a series, you want to at least make sure that each book is plot contained with enough leftover question-wise that when someone picks up the second book, they're like, oh, I remember that, and they get some questions answered. Now, do you have any sense of, or did you, when you started this new series, did you have a sense of a character arc over a period of time where the character would evolve from this to that? No. No, I didn't. I didn't with Monroe either, um, where I got a lot of... and. I've, I've always just written characters as if they're real people. And so if something would affect a real person and change them, well, obviously it would affect a real character, uh, a fake person and change them too. But that's not necessarily a good thing because if you look at some of the most successful uh, books out there, series is out there, like Jack Reacher, for example, he doesn't really change. He's consistent book through book. So as I go into this of of seeing about writing a new series i'm faced with that question of do these characters change or do we sort of keep them the way they are because that's what readers expect and um with monroe she's had some of her edges softened and i think that that has not always been beneficial for storytelling because the rage that drove her at the beginning is what made those earlier books what they were. And the softer someone gets as time goes on, 
the more difficult it is to have to keep throwing trauma their way to rage them back up again. So it'll be interesting to see, and I can't predict it because so much of the writing experience is as you do it. So it'll be interesting to see if these characters change or if they tend to be as nutsy in the, in the next book as they were in the first one. All right. So this is episode 96. We're getting closer to episode 100. You've had a full week to think about episode 100. What do you have? <laughs> Why do you keep doing this to me? <laughs> I'm ratcheting up the pressure so that when I give you my crazy idea, you're just going to say, okay, fine. Okay, so my idea for episode 100 is we make it a, this is the Steve Campbell show with my good friend Taylor Stevens, <laughs> and then we make Steve teach us what he's learned over the last several months of writing this book that he's working on. Okay, forget it. I'm never asking you again. Ha! I won! <laughs> <laughs> You won big time. You did have a week to think about it, and you got me. <laughs> All right. Do we have a listener question this week? I don't have one offhand. Do you have one? I have stuff, but I, I I haven't had a chance to collect them. Okay. So we don't we don't have it. We are going to get back to um, we'll we'll have a a more formalized listener question my entire focus essentially is is just episode 100 once we get past that i'll 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 have my head back in the game again and now that taylor has threatened me with the stephen campbell show that i yeah i i may not be here next week it may just be the taylor stephen show with taylor doing it all uh oh now steve's threatening me <laughs> Well, thank you all for listening. We will be back on our relentless march to episode 100. Thanks for being with us, guys. See you next week.